Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. On Thursday, the Supreme Court of Canada will make its decision concerning whether or not the federal government has the right to impose a carbon tax on provinces that challenge, and did challenge, in fact, uh, this decision, Saskatchewan, Ontario, and Alberta all went to court and argued the... um, It's called the Greenhouse Gas Pollution Pricing Act, argued that it was unconstitutional because Ottawa was uh, wandering into provincial jurisdiction. In Saskatchewan and uh, Ontario, courts decided that the policy was, in fact, constitutional, but provincial courts. But in uh, Alberta, the uh, Court of Appeal said it isn't, so we'll wait for Thursday to see what the Supreme Court of Canada decides. Ross McKittrick, and uh, in a study for the Fraser Institute uh, just a couple of days ago, said that the Trudeau plan to impose a $170 per ton carbon tax by 2030 will result in over 160,000, 186,000 jobs lost in this country and a 1.8% dip in our national GDP. So in 2019 dollars, that would have represented a loss to Canada's economy of just over $44 billion. These are big numbers. This is important stuff and a lot of questions about the advisability or the just the just the uh, the fact that a, an additional tax is going to be imposed on Canadians in the middle of a pandemic or maybe at the tail end of the pandemic, let's hope. Dan McTague is former Liberal MP. He's the founder of Canadians for Affordable Energy. And Mr. McTague is uh, extremely outspoken on these issues and I've never seen you back down on this. How, how, how does today, Dan, how does right now, on Sunday before the Supreme Court decision on Thursday is announced, and and after the uh, the Fraser Institute uh, report being released, Ross McKittrick's report, and where you stand with all of this, how does today compare with where we were six months ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago? Well, it certainly hasn't changed anything. Uh, we have a real crisis on our hands, a pandemic, as if I need to say that. And yet we have a federal government uh, yes, in, in, in lockstep with the Green and the NDP and to a lesser extent the Bloc, all agreeing that uh, we should uh, basically throw ourselves off bridges and cliffs because, of course, uh, uh, the world is coming to an end in 10 years. Look, I, I think we understand the environment's important, uh, but focusing almost uniquely on the issue of so-called climate uh, is, is, in my view, not very constructive, it's not very helpful, and it's not realistic. That's my opinion, but it's more than that. We realize that uh, there are far more serious, egregious problems that we have to address. This government's not doing that. Uh, it isn't even telling us the full totality of the cost, not only of what it's spent, but what it's two carbon taxes, not the one here that the $170 a ton, which of course, if anybody wants to know, that's a complete about face and a, and, and a broken promise. And if you call it what it is, a lie to the Canadian public. You told me it was going to be no more than $50 a ton, which would bring us to, what, $0.13 a litre for gasoline. That's just only one example where it would apply. Now you're talking $0.60 a litre for gasoline, maybe $0.70 for diesel, and that doesn't include the clean fuel standard, which we had talked about back in September and October when we determined that would be. We're on a collision course uh, to unaffordability, and it does concern me. The timing, obviously, couldn't be better for me, shifting from gas price predictions back to where we should be. And that's to go after policies that are damaging this country and uh, really create a grim and very bleak future for every single Canadian. Well, let's talk about this a bit further. So April the 1st, another installment in Justin Trudeau's 
uh, carbon tax will take place. We're constantly told that what you pay out in tax is going to, it's going to be revenue neutral because you'll get the money back. I think that's been proven not to be so. Um, but a 33% increase, which will impact the small business community in this, in this nation massively, I would think. And according to Dan Kelly in the CFIB, Mr. Kelly was on the show yesterday, 250,000 or small business or more small businesses are already poised to close for good in Canada. I, I would like to start, Dan, if I'm just a layperson who has no idea what $170 per ton of carbon tax actually means. I would imagine 99% of Canadians have no idea what that means. Um, but, but if we can just start with where we are today, where this carbon tax increase will take us on April the 1st, and why it's being imposed while Canadians are suffering and jobs have been lost and, and we're, we're dealing with a pandemic. Let's start with that. What's the impact on the average family going to be? And by the way, if you're in the province of Ontario, and please everybody out west, I'm not focusing on Ontario. It's just that a lot of stuff happens in the province. What's going to happen to the hydro rates? Yeah. Well, hydro rates, of course, as we know, are already start, set to go up. Uh, the Green Energy Act, which was really the granddaddy to all these wonderful ideas on climate, uh, means that electricity rates have tripled, not doubled, not uh, gone up 10, 20, 30 percent or 1 percent, as the then Liberals said in 2010. They've, in fact, tripled. And so we're going to see and be opening up our utility bills. And we're going to see here in Ontario that the price is probably going to go up an extra 30 to $130 compared to where they were last month because the government was protecting us from the full effect of the pandemic. For the rest of the country, though, these ever-increasing carbon taxes will have uh, you know, an extraordinary impact on everybody, uh, uh, not only direct costs. So I estimate, for instance, a 2.5 cent a litre increase in gasoline, 3 cent on diesel, which will put gasoline carbon taxes at 10 cents a litre, uh, diesel closer to 13, and natural gas and propane. We're still in many parts of the country heating our homes that way. You're looking at an increase this year of about 400 to 500 dollars of which maybe only 60 percent of that would be rebated and roy critically only direct costs are rebated as long as you have 2.6 people in your family that's the kind of parameters and widget they've created to show that this is how it should you should get your rebate the food costs the other ancillary costs that you're going to in incur as a result of these artificial rises in the price of energy will affect everything so at the end of the year i think we'll probably be short about six seven hundred dollars a year mckittrick's uh, fraser institute uh, 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 analysis points to eighteen hundred dollars a year and that's not for the clean fuel standard uh, that's by 2030 uh, with significant dislocation so for this year alone get ready for that two and a half centiliter increase at a time when oil is going up gasoline prices are moving up now they've taken a bit of a breather uh, but uh, you ain't seen nothing yet talk about bad timing so I, uh, I follow you on Twitter, and I take a look and see what's going on, and you're challenged quite frequently, and you give as much as, as well as you take. Uh, so what is the most often repeated argument, uh, Dan, that you're presented with, and what's, your, what's, the, what's the reply? Because I would imagine that many of our listeners uh, want to know, or already maybe are thinking of the very same argument that you hear over and over. So would you tell us what that is, and what's your response to it? Well, there are two. One, that uh, we have to do something for the climate. Um, anyone who denies climate, uh, there's nothing more absurd than that than assuming that somehow man, uh, mankind can do something about it. Whether the climate is changing or not is as relevant as the sun coming up in the east and settling in the west or as relevant as uh, the law of, uh, of gravity. That's the biggest one. It's very easy to set aside because people really have no fundamental understanding. First of all, carbon is not pollution. I won't get in the scientific side of things. And if we thought it was such a bad thing, maybe we should stop exhaling. Of course, I'm being facetious, but 
the real issue I think that people think that this is decent on is that, uh, you know, we get a rebate, who cares? But as I've explained already, and as you alluded to at the beginning, the HST GST is not rebated. So in the province of Ontario, 13%, the Prairie, Prairie provinces, 15%, Quebec, 14.9%. Well, that doesn't apply in Quebec, but they certainly have a carbon tax. In uh, places uh, like uh, the West, uh, 5%. Then you have, of course, the tax cascading. So this tax is implemented. You get a bit of a rebate on it, probably according to most analysis, uh, maybe about 75% of what you're actually spending. And that's, you know, that's a best case scenario. Uh, but we also already know that, that the government will continue to fall behind. And as it tries to rebate oh, between now and 2030, we're going to incur a $24 billion a year debt. Now, I know that billions mean nothing to people anymore, and I'm not being nasty. Well, no, hold on. Hold, Dan, 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 just a second. $24 yeah. billion just a couple of years ago would have been a massive deficit. It's not Absolutely. anymore because no. we have a $400 billion deficit from 2020, roughly. So, so $24 billion doesn't sound like yeah. a lot to people, but it is a lot of money. The government's going to be servicing a $1.2 trillion debt at the federal level. Forget the provinces for a second. To service that alone is going to cost you an extra $50 billion a year. Now you're adding another $24 billion on top of that. Are you actually, are Canadians understanding this? That the government is, without doing anything, without spending a single dime on, on a hospital or on education or on defense or on anything, is going to be putting out 70 to $75 billion a year before it even begins to spend to help Canadians. Okay, before I take a break, I have to ask you this then, sure. and we'll take some phone calls for you as well. What should the government be doing? What should the federal government be doing about pollution slash climate change? Well, at this point, I think it's clear that they should put a, a, a pause button on it. As the Atlantic province has called for the CFS, I think we need to see how far the damage, economic damage of the pandemic is and realize that Canada has already done a lot of good when it comes to uh, reduction in emissions, especially in our oil sands, especially our nuclear reactors, especially our hydro. We're world leaders, so let's not beat ourselves up and look at a different model that doesn't punish Canada. Let's sell a lot of our natural gas to China and India so they don't build out uh, the thousands of coal plants that they're planning over there. And while we hurt ourselves with reducing emissions, if we can even achieve that, they continue to double triple and quadruple without any consequence until 2030. It doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah. Well, you know, what's also a problem is that we don't even recognize, we don't even tell ourselves, we don't even understand, I think, on a true national level, just how responsible Canada is compared to the rest of the world when it comes to producing energy. We have clean energy. Compared to the rest of the world, we do a great job. So let's sell our energy to the rest of the world that still wants it, as opposed to importing between well, roughly 800,000 barrels of foreign oil from from dubious sources on a daily basis. I, I just want to read an email that came from, uh, just arrived from Professor Eric Cam, macroeconomics professor at Ryerson University, who's going to be on this program next hour, and a great favorite with, uh, with our listeners, as, as are you. And uh, Professor Cam writes, why is nobody listening to you? This is to you, right? This is not to me, to you. Why is nobody listening to you? My heart is breaking as a Canadian. What do you say? Well, look, Roy, you uh, have to say that for many years, uh, there are things I may have mentioned uh, that turned out to be correct uh, and only too late. I think we have simply lost in this country our ability to understand numbers. Billions and millions and trillions and joblessness has all been completely, it's almost as if we've become numb to these things. And I think it's for that reason that uh, until people start to see things happening, and that'll start very shortly, both with the carbon tax on April 1st and as they open up their utility bills, at least here in Ontario, I think you're going to start to see some people start to wonder whether or not they can make ends meet, especially, and you 
spoken about this very eloquently in the past, well, the number of people who have simply been set aside, businesses that are, will not be back into business, yeah, people yeah. who are out of work, et cetera, yeah. people are $200 away from complete uh, Well, that's 49%, 49% of the population before the pandemic began, 49% of the population, as you know, that was, that was polling that was done by Ipsos, showed that uh, half of Canadians were within $200 of not being able to pay their bills at the end of the month. Let me get Rob on from Calgary for Dan McTabe. Rob, thank you for the call, sir. Go ahead, please. Hello, Rob. Yeah. Go ahead, please. You're on the air. Who do we who do we pay the interest to on our debt? Uh, bondholders. Uh, you pay that to uh, the central bank, whoever is publishing or whoever is uh, borrowing on your behalf. Um, so if it's the federal government, then there are uh, bonds that are put out and you pay a yield on those bonds. And by the way, those yields are starting to increase. Uh, of course, there's this whole other monetary theory that goes along the lines of the overnight repo rate. I don't want to get into that, but it basically says uh, governments can continue to provide assets in order to buy uh, the money that they need to operate the banks the next day to lend you money. Uh, email from Dawn to Roy at RoyGreenshow.com. I'm wondering what we can do to change the channel on this public shaming of Canada? Uh, very good question. I think Canadians have to realize that they're their own worst enemies and recognize that there are very well-organized international groups, many of them charities, Rockefeller Foundation being one, but there's certainly many others, Sierra Club, uh, Greenpeace, which isn't even in Canada anymore, it's out in Holland. We have to understand, and there's been good work done in Alberta and other places about who these people really are. Uh, they've taken advantage of our, of our good nature and of our laws that have been very balanced. We see other countries do that, China, for instance, when it comes to Meng Wanzhou, but I'm not, don't want to distract. I think we need to understand that uh, Canadians need to get their product to market. And if okay. anybody's going to stop doing that, then it's time for them to be uh, uh, dealt with harshly. I want our listeners to know that our guest at the top of the next hour to start things off will be the Commissioner of the Canadian Football League, Randy Ambrose, he's going to be our guest. Let's go to Mark in oh. Edmonton, who uh, has a question for Mr. McTay. Go ahead, Mark. Yes, uh, Dan and uh, Roy, it's, it's really not so much of a question as it is a statement. I mean, we're, we're talking about a national carbon tax that has been imposed on us by a federal government that's in minority position that's acting as if it's a majority. Uh, and it's really more of a statement to Ontarians because in Alberta, my vote is irrelevant. I mean, it's clear that we're, we're, we're totally opposed to liberal policy out here. But I think what people have to realize in Ontario is you guys are the straw that stirs the drink. And if you want more of the same, you just keep voting for more of the same. You're, you're dealing with a, with a unserious prime minister who is a zealot on these types of issues that uh, constantly goes out of his way to virtue signal to the international community for the expense, at the expense of Canadians. Mark, I appreciate your call. We have less than a minute left. Mr. McTague, take that on. And then also factor in the fact that we we do see large corporations, auto manufacturers, for example, saying they're going to go all electric within a matter of years. So they're, they're, uh, they're, they're on board with this whole issue of uh, carbon taxation and climate change. Mark's correct, uh, but Ontario did vote to get rid of carbon taxes uh, by electing the Ford government in 2018. And so That's don't true. be too harsh on Ontario. Uh, and you have Liberal MPs, 38 years in the party, half of that is a member of parliament, who are extraordinarily and extenuously opposed to this uh, this particular scheme because it's, 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 punitive, it's punitive to Canada. 
But to your point, uh, in terms of, I'll, I'll let you speak to that, Roy. Uh, you know, I have no doubt in my mind that the way the country is going right now, we're going to be in very serious trouble in the days to come. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.